your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Do it to it, brother. Welcome to the Lutheran Stuff No Drama, No Drama podcast. I'm Pastor Hoffman, and with me is Zach Lesher. Say hello, Zach. Hey, out there, Bush League. It has been a while, but I'll tell you what. What we're going to do tonight, we're going to call this a Bush League barn burner. Because Zach, as you know, he's been uh, he's been doing his gym, and I'll let you ta- him talk about that. But he's been super, super busy and super involved in ministry in other areas. And so we haven't been able to really get together. And as, a, and as an administrator of a school and a pastor, I certainly have my own share of it. So tonight what we're going to do so that we can keep our Bush League buddies going out there is we, we've got a couple of questions here we're going to talk about. Fascinating topic. Then we'll move into talking about what we're going to do next. So what Zach has done is he's posted in our Facebook group uh, some questions in one of them. And, and he's really got something great. And I think you should sit down, pour a glass of wine or whatever, and listen to this. Uh, We've got Ryan who's asked the question, Jesus says he must leave so the Spirit can come. How did anybody believe in Jesus if the Spirit hadn't come yet? Great question, and by the way, if you know anything about Zach, you know that this is one of his major areas of study over the last year. And so uh, what do you think, Zach? You got any two cents for this? I got about 10 cents for this one. So, (laughs) (laughs) on this question here, I I am actually very intrigued because the Lutheran church today, or the church in general, we do not talk as much about the Old Testament and the Spirit's function within the Old Testament because it doesn't particularly concern us. We are the New Testament church. The Spirit was poured out on Pentecost on account of Christ, and that lasts us until till Judgment Day when God gives the new heavens and new earth. But in this particular question, when he says, Jesus says that he must leave so that the Spirit can come, how did anyone believe in Jesus? And that's a great question, because we say, third article of the creed, I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but he has called me by the gospel, enlighten me with his, or call me by the the gospel, enlighten me by the spirit. Enlighten me with his gifts, sanctifies and keeps me in the true faith. Thank you. I can't believe I butchered that on the radio, but we'll pretend I did it. It's a late night for us guys, so cut it some slack. Um. Pastor Hoffman, always the gentleman, throwing me a lifeline. (laughs) This question pertains to the proximity of God. So we have to go back to the Garden of Eden when God originally made man. And the Garden of Eden is a micro... uh, I'm sorry, the Garden of Eden is a, a temple of sorts. And Adam is the high priest of that temple... And he is given the, the duty by God to um, minister 
God's gifts throughout the world. And this is where God gives man dominion, makes man in his image and his likeness. And he he is to is tasked with giving the world the gifts of God. He's the the Adam is the priestly figure. This later is why Christ is called the second Adam, the life-giving Adam, because the first Adam, as we all know, butchered this. But when Adam sinned, he ate from the tree. He lost that image of God. He lost the Holy Spirit. And then God, his very nature, his very being ontologically, that's ontological is the study of the nature of being, is goodness. And and the reason for mankind is for God to give mankind his gifts. And part of that means God has to dwell with mankind. So God makes provision through the Levitical cultists to dwell with mankind through the Ark of the Covenant and then through the sacrificial system. Now remember, you have to trace the promise along to the, with this of Christ, the Messiah that's going to come. This is Genesis 3.15, then to Noah, then to Noah's sons, then to Abraham, right? So we chase the promise with this. Keep that in the back of your mind because I, I don't want to segue off, but with the Messiah, God gives the sacrificial system and his dwelling presence within the ark, which is first set up in the wilderness, and they're given specific instruction, and the curtain separates the ark, and only the high priest can go in there because God's presence resides there. It's important to pay attention to the Deuteronomic text, though, and you know the text of the prophets where God says, that he will sanctify his people by his presence. It's his presence and his word that have the power. In John 6, Jesus said, my word is spirit and it is life. That's in John 6. So the word of the prophets, along with the promise and the presence and proximity to God, kept the people in the faith throughout the Old Testament along with the miraculous. They had the miraculous. So we're going from Eden to the the ark. I'm kind of skipping over the flood because we're doing this rather quickly. But if you have any questions, leave more questions for Pastor Hoffman and I will get to them. But it's his word through the mouth of the prophets, the promise, and then you have the sacrificial system which served as a reminder for the people's need of the promise of Jesus. When you have a river of blood at Passover, you, you kind of remember, oh yeah, that Messiah is going to come and crush the devil's head and fix all these problems that we have now. And it's viewed in nature. Original sin is not just viewed in humans alone. It's, it's viewed in everything that we see, the cracks on the ground, the trees falling down. We know that things are not right, you know. Yeah, trees that don't bear fruit. So then we go, that's right. Don't bear fruit. Now, in the in Eden, before the fall, every tree bore fruit. Mm -hmm. So, when we get to the desert, God's location is in the ark, and that's why the ark cannot be seen. The priest would have to smoke up the holies of holies, because that's where the glory of God dwelt. Now, when we say the glory of God, what are we talking about? We're, we're, we're attributing all persons of the Trinity here. Okay, because God in substance shares 
is glory amongst the persons. This is not partialism. All are due full glory. I better word that more carefully. But we're talking about God, and we're going we're gonna to stay off which particular person, except for when we talk about the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, God gives strict warning to listen to the voice of the angel of the Lord who is given the name Yahweh Elohim, God's name, and that person is Jesus in the cloud and the fire leading the people day and night. So they had the miraculous with God's presence, which kept them in the faith. Then we get to the temple building, and this is where the ark is placed. The task is given to Solomon because David has too much blood on his hands, and David is the one who pitches the idea. God, I want to build you a house. What does God say? No, mm. I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build you a house. <laughs> that house is the church. This is where God dwells in his house. You see, so you can see the types and shadows with the text. Now, God's dwelling in the temple is all good and dandy. Solomon even gives a nifty prayer in, in 1 Kings 8. Hey, God, uh, when, when anybody uh, is away and, and they pray to the temple, forgive their sins. And then we, we see in Daniel, he's praying every night towards the temple, right? So you kind of see these cool things throughout Scripture and God keeping his word and promises to do that. But we, we don't want to lose the promise of Christ. That's the most important thing. These things are all pointers to that. Then we, we go from the temple to the person of Jesus. And this is the whole point of John 1, 1, where John makes the, the claim that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Now the Word is out and tabernacling above us, uh, uh, among us. I'm sorry. So Jesus then makes the shift Remember, he says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it. As the true Emmanuel, the fulfillment of all those promises, the God with us is no longer at the temple. He's in the person of Jesus. And then the person of Jesus, then, is the first one to receive the Holy Spirit without measure according to his human nature. In the Old Testament, we read the prophets, priests, kings, and judges all received the Spirit. But remember, the Old Testament was a theonomy. It was in the it, God. God was uh, governing civil, ceremonial, and moral authority. Okay, we no longer have a theonomy now in the church age. After Pentecost, after Christ's ascension, the theonomy is over. As Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. But Jesus is given the Spirit according to his human nature in order that we can receive the Spirit according to our human nature. And it's only until Christ is died and raised, fulfilling the law, and offers his blood on the true mercy seat of heaven, which the ark was a mock-up of, and the mock-up sacrifices were done on the ark, that, that mankind can receive the Spirit because of the true cleansing that Jesus has brought. So this is the promise given in Ezekiel 36, Jeremiah 31, Joel chapter 2, and so forth. 
the outpouring of the Spirit in the later days. This is both a eschatological gift, meaning this is an end-time gift for the here and now and not yet. This, the church age, then takes us into the end of day. So we don't talk about it that much because it right now we're in the church age and only the church is affected by where the spirit is. But I can understand where confusion comes in and people say, well, how did they have faith in the Old Testament? The same faith, way we have faith now, word and sacrament, nothing changed. God was still in their midst, dwelling in their presence, just like God dwells in our midst in the church. But the difference is, is we do not have a community collectively of people who are dedicated to, let's say, the Lutheran faith. I mean, we do, but we don't. We're not all living in one solid community with God dwelling in the center. God yeah. dwells within each of us now as Christ is the true temple and we are members of his body. We are given the spirit and his name is placed on us in baptism. God's name previous was placed on the temple and that's where his presence was. But now it's placed on us in baptism and we receive the spirit because of what Christ has accomplished for us. It's a gift, as Jesus says, I will send you another in my name. Well, you make a, a good point, and I think uh, a lot of people, they just, I and mean, you've already said this, they kind of don't know what to do with the Old Spirit, uh, the Old Testament. They don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. And um, they certainly, many modern Christians, kind of want God to be like the Old Testament, to which I say, run. But um, they'll say that, you know, in the Old Testament, God was always like showing up and, and stuff like that. Well, a lot of their a lot of their faith that they had was based on a God that was intervening um, and saying, oh, you shouldn't do that. Or, hey, take your kid up onto the mountain and sacrifice him and doing this kind of stuff. So a lot of the faith they had was the fact that, well, God is standing right there. Or he's speaking to you, or he sent you a messenger, and um, on the day of Pentecost, you see, rather than God saying, "Look what I'm doing," he will say, "Trust in what I've done," and so the Holy Spirit is there to say, "Look, trust in what He's done," and um, because again, when He says it's finished, well, that's that's an act of faith to even believe that, and so you know, you make a you make a great point, and also. You'll notice that Zach makes a lot of pointers to typology. Here's the Old Testament. Here's what was going on. And all of this becomes uh, fulfilled in Jesus. And so um, there's plenty There's plenty to uh, to see the difference. In. And by the way, that was great. I really enjoyed listening to you talking about that, Zach. Thank you. If I had a little uh, more prep time and, and some sleep, <laughs> I would have done maybe twice as, be uh, as good. I was going to say twice as better, but that doesn't make it. It would have been gooder, man, gooder. Yeah, gooder, gooder. would have been more Bush Leaguer. So, you know, well, we are being Bush League because, again, we're uh, we're taking a topic and we're making it accessible. And so if that ain't Bush League, I don't know what is. Um, I, and think, I think the biggest thing to take away, what to be very careful with, is God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can't forget that the promise of Jesus was always there. Then we have the miracles 
that God is with the people. He's in the midst of the people. And that faith is still wrought by word and sacrament, except the sacraments in the Old Testament are different from the sacraments in the New Testament. For example, when God sent serpents among the people that bit them because of their wickedness, and Moses, which is a Christological figure, as he intercedes between the people and God, which Jesus does for you, saints— Moses prays for the people, and God gives Moses the bronze serpent to make. And the people, when they look at that, they're healed. That's mm -hmm. a sacrament. It right. takes an act of faith to look at the pole and then be healed. So, you know, it's different sacraments, but we want to focus around the word of, of life, the way that they're living physically. We're, we're getting that, the medicine of immortality in the sacraments. You know, on the Day of Atonement, they had the bull for the high priest, and then they had the two goats, one for slaughter, one to be sent out in the wilderness. Now, what you'll see with Jesus, too, in the New Testament, is that Jesus is immediately cast out into the wilderness after the Spirit comes upon him. That's not an accident. No. This lines up with Leviticus 16 in the Day of Atonement, and he, where does he go? He goes to face the devil. Now, the the goat that was cast into the wilderness is named Azazel, right? <laughs> so Jesus is going to face the very problem of humanity itself, the devil. But unlike us, he does not fall to the temptation of the devil. He overcomes the devil on our behalf by the power of the Spirit and by his being, being both man and God. Jesus says repeatedly, I do, do my works by the Spirit, but that does not de deny his divinity either it's in order to highlight what you're going to receive the promises again of ezekiel 36 joel 2 jeremiah 31 this eschatological gift the end of days gift in other words i'll change the word to make sure that everybody knows what i'm talking about that god now is going to dwell within you on account of what christ has done but everybody throughout history was still saved by grace through faith, and God was doing the faithing, if that makes sense. Oh, sure. And, you know, Azazel made from God. And um, that's a... <laughs> well, I again, what we see here is, and I, I think this is this is a, a Bush League topic that we're all just going to drive home. Uh, God, God reveals himself in a way that often seems strange, but in reality... Um, he's actually very consistent and I think that's the trouble that our sinful minds and, and hearts have with him is because we always want him to appear to us in a way we think would be cool and yet there's no real witness to that and so when he when he doesn't act like we want him to act he's like well that's not me you want somebody else <laughs> and um and you know well, well said sir that is that is the nail on the head it's like so we're like, God, we don't understand this Trinity thing. And he's like, yup, because I'm incomprehensible <laughs> to the human mind. <laughs> yeah, you can just sit there and spin on it for a while. But yeah, so, you know, I hope Ryan, I hope Ryan listens to this because uh, he's getting some, he's getting Bush League gold right now. And uh, this is something that, you know, uh, I think, I think it's good to see because your study into the Old Testament view of the Holy Spirit 
has also, I can see from your study, brought you um, into this uh, consist this witness of of kind of removing the 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 separate nature of the the Bible books of the Old and the New Testament to see well you see God's plan unfolding throughout all of these and so for like the heretics who threw the Old Testament out because they're New Testament no 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 it's in re no. it's revealing God's plan throughout all of it and it is consistent in so far what I mean is that. God is, um, he's, he's doing the faithing, he's doing the working. So, you know, I, I particularly appreciate that in Bible studies. Well, and when we, when we, if we track it real simple here, think of God created man in order to dwell with man because it's in his nature. He is love, right? So love has to have an object to shower love on, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the angels are created to serve. Man is created as a recipient of God's grace and his gifts, his kindness, his mercy. And we go from Eden to the Levitical cultists to the church, to Jesus, into the church age, to the pouring out of the spirit, and then into the end of days. It's nothing inconsistent. What it is is a return to Eden. Where the problem happened, Christ fixed it in history he, he undid it, in other words, by means of his blood. And we believe this by the Spirit, but the Old Testament was doing the same thing, just different means. The reason for the sacrifices there was to remind them of that promise that Jesus was coming. They couldn't lose the hope in that Christ. And that's the very name. Christ means like the spirited one, the anointed is what the, what the Greek is. But it, anybody who is Christed, was spirited. Right. Again, for prophets, priests, kings, and judges, it's a prophetic picture of the one to come, Jesus, who receives the Spirit without measure, in order that you too may receive the Spirit and become one with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen to that. So, Moody, Mr. Mr. Ryan, I hope this is really a... hope this is... I hope... I just we're gonna have to shout him out on the in the Facebook group. By the way, if you're interested in more Bush League gold, you're welcome to um, go to our podcast, and it's uh, the podcast is nodramalutherans.podbean.com or nodramalutherans.org, which is our website. And um, Facebook has the Lutheran stuff, no drama. So you have to um, you have to apply to get in there because again. We filter out a lot of the, you know, the people that are just coming in there to cause trouble and drama. What we are is a group of, what, 1,300 and something people. And uh, for a group of almost 1,400 people, it is the most not drama-filled group. And people just love it because this is all they're doing is they're just talking about being Lutheran. <laughs> and when somebody comes in there going, hey, I got this old dead fish, we're like, get, no, get your dead fish out of here. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty good group. It's not even a super uptight group. It's a good group of people. We just say, look, if you want to come in here and cause people grief, you can go somewhere else. So if you want to, if you want to, if you want to learn or if you actually have something useful to, to make a part of the group, 
The Nutherans, man, they eat it up. They love it. So, and they're awesome. We love our Nutherans. So, um... One, one quick question for you, Pastor. Did I answer the question, Jesus says he must leave so the Spirit can come? Did we talk about why Jesus has to go? Did you? No, you didn't even... Well, I don't know. You... I think you had let, to... Let, let me give a little snip on that just to make sure we covered that because I'm looking at the question one more time. Because, see, so, I thought you did. But yeah, I'm again, totally open to humanity, more. <laughs> humanity is too too sinful and unclean to receive the Spirit until Christ cleanses you through word and sacrament. So in your baptism, you're receiving Jesus. And that's why the Holy Spirit can come dwell within you, because now you're part of the real temple where God's name is placed and the Spirit of God dwells. So Jesus has to go make the sacrifice this is where we get to the other goat. See, I talked about the goat driven into the wilderness. I forgot to talk about where Jesus is fulfilling the goat that's slaughtered. That's that one in order for you to receive the Spirit according to your human nature to be one again with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he's got to go and fulfill that law and then die on the cross, bearing the sins of the world in himself. And doing so, he joins the creator and creation in himself as both creator and creation. Well, it's also kind of cool uh, with the, the leaving in the sense of in the Old Testament, God always making himself present and standing there and um, which is very much the ministry of Jesus Christ in the up to 33 AD, you know, but um, and he's going He's these uh, these physical signs, you know, this is part of why I'm a cessationist, by the way, but um, is to say that I don't need to have my cousin cured of cancer to believe in God. I don't have to see that. I'm baptized. I am justified. I have the Holy Spirit. Well. Well, and it's the better gift. You're in the better covenant. Remember what Jesus says about John the Baptist when he says he, John the Baptist is greatest born of all the women, out of all women, the women, I'm sorry, that was plural, <laughs> out of all women, but um, he is the least in the kingdom of heaven. He's called least in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I mean, that's for the particular reason that John is going to die still under the old covenant. Yeah. He's not the, the new covenant is the author of Hebrews says it's the the new and better covenant because you have the total cleansing of Jesus where they had just the promise, which I'm not saying they're two different things, but the, the perfect is always better than, you know, trusting the promise. You're having the, the direct application of Christ. Now, his atonement applies to the old, but not in the same way it does the new because it's two covenants. So Lutherans get accused of replacement theology, and none of that is true. We believe in covenant theology. We track what God is saying and doing, and it all points back to Jesus, what he's doing, done, and coming to do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's just good stuff, man. Uh, again, I hope this dude who asked the question actually wanted to hear the answer, because you got it. Um, and, and that's really something to grow on. I think it's something to uh, even consider in your devotion life and things like that. Um, well, I'll tell you what. That was pretty awesome. I, I don't think we can top that, Zach. I think uh, we've, uh, we've put together a barn burner. 
something to whet the appetites of our wonderful listeners who, by the way, are amazing. We got almost 1,400 of them logged in here. So, um, you know what? I don't think we can we can do better. I hope you guys enjoy this and the barn burners. Maybe we'll do some more barn burners down the road. But um, until then, this has been Pastor Hoffman for Zach Lesher saying God bless you and be Bush League. <laughs>